I'm Greg Miller, and you're listening to Rabbit Hole Media. It kind of sounds gross, but I don't think it is. Welcome to Press Star, episode 126, your weekly video game podcast right here on Rabbit Hole Media. I am one of your hosts, Christian Lasham, and as always, and as usual, I'm joined by the Jeremy Clarks in the video games, Jack Netley Thompson. Good evening, friend. How are you? Good evening. I am, I'm, as usual, I am alive. Wow. Excellent. This is excellent news. <laughs> 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 Nothing interesting to report then, I assume, based off that. No, not really. I'm hungrier than usual. Not had your dinner yet? I have, I have, I have. Okay. It's, it's the only solid food I have these days is dinner. Oh, yes, yes. What do you have? Talk to me about it. We had a spit roast fat bird. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> this is Press Start, your weekly video game podcast right here on Rabbit Hole Media. If you like what you're doing or what you're doing is watching us, you can follow us on Twitter at rabbithole underscore UK. You can subscribe to us on YouTube where you can see us any time that you wish. You can follow us on Twitch at Rabbit Hole Media. And you can subscribe and follow on multiple different podcast services on and around the internet. Indeed. And now you can follow us on Instagram at rabbitholemedia underscore UK for all of the behind the scenes tits and bits. If you would like to support us, you can head to merch.rabbitholemedia.co.uk where you can buy a wide range of merchandise which just got wider. And finally, if you are watching us live on Twitch and are an Amazon Prime member, you get one free Twitch Prime membership a month. Please find it within your hearts to give that free membership to us. It will not cost you a penny but will go a very long way in helping us bring you the shows that you love. A week tomorrow and this shit will in theory end. You just say that. Rich and Charlie's internet is fine and they've been having even worse problems than you are. True. True. However, I don't usually have these problems, so one can only say it's the internet. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, whereas I just play blame rich and charlie for their for their problems exactly exactly i love how the xbox i gave you is being put to good use by the way well oh well, up here <laughs> yeah I, well, at on the, the shelf of things to never be touched at the moment i don't have anywhere else to put it because i've got nowhere to plug it in down on this setup and i've got nowhere to plug it in in the other setup so until i'm using it it would just be on the floor so i thought putting it in a display location was uh you know, made a bit of sense. It makes yeah, it does make sense. Don't judge me, Jack. This is our video game podcast. We're becoming more known for our movie and TV show stuff recently, but we are video games at heart. So this week, well, this week today, we'll be talking about video games. With that in what mind, how bizarre that is. We are a video game YouTube channel that's more known for movies and TV on Twitch. Correct. Uh, but with that in mind, <laughs> what have you been playing? Uh, I finished Unity. Oh, oh, I'm trying to think of when I, when we were last. I finished Unity, and I'm now playing God of War again because I thought just, I'd taken Assassin's Creed break. Just want to give you a little round of applause on the amount of Assassin's Creed that you've played. Good evening, Caden. Um, there's a lot of Assassin's Creed games to play. I'm 
before we talk about you and God of War, I just want to say how I am on Assassin's Creed Revelations now, which is my third Assassin's Creed game in the space of two weeks. I've been somewhat beelining them. I'm not doing every bit, but even I'm now like, I don't know if I want to play another one for a while. <laughs> so well done for getting through as many as you did. <laughs> oh, believe me. Even if I could play Syndicate, I don't know if I could. Like, oh, well, uh, that didn't make sense. Even if I could, I don't know if I could. I, I, I kind of know what What's you mean. What's the other one that rhymes with could? Would. Would. <laughs> Should. <laughs> Food. Oh, that's not word. No. But yeah, like it, I was definitely on the end of my tether when it comes to some of the more, more clunky things. And... I'm glad you asked, Caden, because I was going to talk about that anyway, regardless of what people want me to do. Unity, <laughs> I have things to say. I have things to say about Unity. Mechanically, mechanically, that game is, I was about to say flawless. Not true. A step towards flawless. Uh, a step towards a perfect Assassin's Creed. We, 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 we were nearing it, but then people bitched and then didn't buy syndicate but then again they backtracked on syndicate anyway the one thing i will say is they did not change the mission structure or the mission design to fit the new mechanics so therefore a lot of them didn't really work in actual practical use uh the level of detail in the world was insane mm -hmm. uh, insanely good the parkour was insane other than you obviously because it's assassin's creed it is like a rite of passage to get stuck on a chimney <laughs> stuck on a chimney climb through a window when you don't want to and can't climb through the window when you absolutely need to <laughs> yes yes because those controls are strange yeah it's l2 to get in a window and r2 and circle to get out a window yep. who was the, what drugs occurred <laughs> many i can only assume but um yeah getting stuck on a chimney or when you're doing a stealth section because this is the first time in their stealth series that they added stealth mechanics mm-hmm um, I did play it on PS. Sorry, I'll finish my thought before I get sidetracked. Um, but you, oh my god, getting out of cover was a nightmare. A nightmare. I, I remember that like, from when I played it. To be fair, it's like I want to get out of cover and just kind of walk up to this person and hidden blade them in the back of the face. That was what <laughs> I wanted to do. But normally, you would just kind of just flip round round the corner <laughs> um, and then they would just go hey that very British French guy is there <laughs> um, I did play it on PS5 Caden, and it performed pretty well I had the usual Ubisoft stuff but that's to a point where it's mildly annoying if not incredibly amusing and then you go about your business yeah it's almost um, just a, a gameplay feature in Ubisoft games now yeah, exactly. Um, it's branding. I'll call it branding. <laughs> yeah. It's some of the other stuff, like popping of NPCs and stuff, but that's obviously built into the game as opposed to a performance thing. Yeah. Um, just because of how many there are. Um, so that didn't really bother me. The only time it became jarring was when you were sprinting on ground level and like you would just have this woman appear in front of you and you'd run into her. And you're like, well... Oh, I don't teleport into me, you <laughs> stupid person. But um, other than that, I didn't really have anything. I had one when 
where you would think, oh shit, I might have to restart the game, but I just fast traveled. And that's when I tried to drop off something and I was just... Ah, uh, yeah. A glitch we all know well from several different games mm-hmm. and several different franchises. But other than that, I think it performed fine. So obviously, they've, obviously, it's been six years, they've patched it to death over the first few years. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I was getting to a point at the end when uh, I didn't have any frame rate drop. Uh, I was getting to a point at the end where I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Because I really like what they did with the combat. They made it a lot slower, a lot heavier hitting, and a mm-hmm. lot more like you are a human. Therefore, like, say if I was to get into a fight with 30 people, I'd die too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to be fair, if I was to get into a fight with one pigeon, I'd probably die as well, <laughs> but that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> um, but the way they designed the levels, like I remember it popping up. One of the assassination missions, which I fucking love, by the way, they do this proper thing and it took like a little mini cutscene thing where you scatter around the area and it presents all these opportunities, very Hitman-esque in a way, all these different opportunities that you can take advantage of to make the assassination easier. But at the beginning, it tells you like um, the opportunities, two, hidden entrances, three, hiding places, whatever. Guards, and one of them said 73. <laughs> I was like, excuse the fuck out of me. 73? <laughs> so it was it was definitely, definitely leaning more towards stealth, which is what Assassin's Creed should be. But it didn't allow you... The mechanics didn't allow you to make errors. Mm-hmm. So it kind of worked, would have worked better if they kept in the... Uh, if you got detected, you desynchronize the thing. Because that didn't happen at all. You, there's none, no objectives you can fail by being detected. It's just a case of they make the combat so goddamn difficult because there's 900 guards that just appear. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be that bad if it wasn't a case of, um, oh, this person's seen me. Therefore, the guy in Germany knows I'm here as well. Um, but I enjoyed it, but I would definitely would have enjoyed it more if I hadn't already played six Assassin's Creed games previously. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. I don't know how you did it. I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, I do remember that game from when I played it on PS4 being very impressive visually, and I remember always really enjoying the mechanics and remembered it as being one of the better ones, despite, again, it getting a lot of press grief and people on the internet grief um but that happens in the video games industry <laughs> may i exhibit the last of us part two um so yeah i i kind of my original intention when i was gonna, when i was doing these assassin's creed games was just to play through the remasters to play Ezio collection and assassin's creed 3 remastered and i was gonna leave it there but i think i might do black flag and unity as well yeah fair undecided undecided um however i would like you to talk to me about god of war please i will say on that one black flag was the hardest one for me to replay has to be said i mean has to be said. i'm i'm thinking as a kind of as the kind of thing where i could start it and if i'm not if you know if it's not making me want to play you don't it i have to finish it no i can skip because i've done it once before <laughs> for sure for sure and i'd done that i'd played them all before other than uh, um, other than Rogue, I'm convinced I played Unity before, but uh, judging from my lack of memory of it, I didn't. But then again, you didn't remember Two or Brotherhood either. No, I, I'm so, not remembering of any of them. Like Two, Brotherhood, and Revelations, like 
the most most of it I'm not remembering. There are bits and bobs here and there. So, ah, remember this, remember this. I remember more of two than anything else, but I'd kind of imprinted the gameplay mechanics of Brotherhood onto two, um, which is probably a bit more understandable. But yeah, Brotherhood, mm. I just don't remember any of. What's, <laughs> I don't remember any of the plot and stuff, but uh, meh, who knows? Oh, plot. Yeah, that was very underwhelming in Unity. My favorite thing about Assassin's Creed is when it goes full on Assassin's Creed and Unity just forgot, it seems. Yeah, well, that was... Uh, oh, you're talking... Okay, sorry. Yeah, you're talking like still within the Animus full-on Assassin's Creed as opposed to Desmond stuff, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the end of Valhalla and the end of 2. Like the end of 2 was a what? Mm-hmm. Like a full-on what? Who is Desmond? Exactly. Exactly. Who is Desmond? Corpse. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, God of War. God of War. God of War. God of War. God of War is a bit good, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. It, uh, I mean, I reviewed it and gave it a ten out of ten. And uh... as you should have, as you should have, uh, very much deserving on a ten out of ten. Uh, there are a couple of things that is that I'm finding that's more of a second playthrough problem as opposed to a problem with the game. Obviously, the game is near on flawless. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. 10 out of 10, absolutely. Across every aspect. The w- one thing I will say is because because the story is, a, is very much princess in another castle multiple times, um, it's on a second playthrough, it's like, oh, fuck me, I've got to go back there again. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's the sort but, of thing where if once you know the story beats and know where it's going to take you, that's going to be less interesting as opposed to that first playthrough and you don't know what's around each corner and you don't know what route is going to make you go. Those things don't really have that problem. Absolutely. No, I didn't. I, did, I pointed it out when I first played it, but not as a, like an issue. I just yeah. pointed it out. Like, all oh, right, okay. They, they, this is the storytelling method they're going for, mm-hmm. which is absolutely fine. It's a yeah. It's a good storytelling method a lot of the time. If you, if you do it well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which they did, uh, but I'm still thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it because combat's amazing. Um, only God of War can you find yourself accidentally exploring. I yeah, that was one of my biggest praises of that game at the time was the accidental exploration and how it kind of didn't feel like it either. Everything feels really natural um and and a very kind of what's the word i'm looking for organic way of playing the game and exploring for sure for sure and um there is a couple of times where i just went for fuck's sake why am i doing this because i I wanted to play it just as a as a break for um from assassin's creed Mm. before i dive into the more rpg-ish ones that are going to take time yeah some serious time um, I just wanted a bit of a break, but I've just found myself doing it anyway. It, it's a good thing to do. You find different things to unlock stuff and you get more powerful and make the rest of the game easier. But I accidentally stumbled into the arena. I didn't start the fight because I noticed soon enough for the Valkyrie Queen and I just got to the edge, saw the room and went, no! <laughs> I'm going to turn around now. I, I think, if I remember rightly, you can't actually get the Valkyrie Queen summoned until you've defeated the other valkyries so probably you would have been probably, okay so i would have been fine regardless but but i understand i would have done the exact same thing as you at that point <laughs> no thank you <laughs> yeah i did stumble I, I was standing at the end of a corridor after going down this lift um just after you get a certain i know i know rich hasn't played it so i'm not going to uh, say Is he not 
or what. Um, Interesting. But uh, you do a thing, which means you can open a certain type of door. There we go. That's as vague as I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, go down a lift and see the corridor. And I was like, down there, I recognize this room. It's either a chest with a particular thing in it, or it's a Valkyrie. Let's try. I just walked down the corridor and went, oh, it's a Valkyrie. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to do that, but it's fine. Did it first time because I am a G. You are O-W. a god. I'm a god of war. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I love the story, obviously, just the characters. And I love just sitting in the boat, letting person tell stories and this, that and the other. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Well, as I as I sort of mentioned briefly, I've been playing a bit of Assassin's Creed Revelations. Don't have a, too much to say about it, other than out of the three I've played so far, I think it's the best one so far. Me too. Um, mechanics, mechanically and gameplay speaking, yeah, yeah, it, it just seems to actually function so much better. Um, everything seems to make sense. Um, the story, the missions and stuff I've been doing plot wise, like story missions, have been um, varied so far. Um, yeah, so I'm intrigued to play more of that, see how it goes. Uh, there was an annoying mission I had to do yesterday where I kind of had to, I liked what they were going for, but I, it was, it was, it went on for too long where you're kind of like disguised as a bard and you have to distract people <laughs> at the party while like your assassins take the people out, which was yep. a, a nice little idea, but it went on for, went on for ages. So many did times you know I had that, to do it. Did you notice what the songs were about? I wasn't really paying attention. It sounded no, like it was referring to the previous plot points from the previous games. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, one of the buttons is Assassin's Creed 2, one of the buttons is Brotherhood, and one of them is the previous missions of Revelations. Oh, right. That's a nice touch. I hadn't noticed that. I hadn't noticed that. Neither had I. That came from a video. That did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's good. And I, I'm going to keep playing, finish that off. Uh, I'll polish it all up. And then... Um, I'll then stick some more time into Dirt 5, which I borrowed off you, because I really want to play that, but I just want to get through some of these mm-hmm. Assassin's Creeds, and then I think I'll do um, three remastered. However, the game I primarily want to talk about um, is Maquette, or Maquette, however you say it. Maquette. So this is the new PS5 puzzle game. Sorry, sorry, no, we were both wrong. It's Maquette, isn't it? I, I, oh, yeah, Maquette. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, PS5 puzzle game that came out during the week and is free on PlayStation Plus. We played a bit on our Tuesday stream the other night, a Thursday stream the other night, and we'll do the same this week, I believe, on Tuesday is the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I also played a bit with Camilla today. She started her own playthrough and I just sat with her. Um, I don't know about you. I currently really like this game. It's a good game. I think... It's a very good game. I think the, the... the puzzle mechanics and just the, the way that get that is put together is very interesting and very clever. It's not so difficult that you are just it where you it's not difficult to the point where it's like, well, this is impossible. All the way through it is like I know the answer is in front of me. Like and yeah. in every case the answer is right in front of you. You just have to kind of really think outside the box each time and they just put a few twists in. Um for sure, for sure. It's just a case of learning them, like the systems that they've got in front of you, and yeah. Uh, but when you think um, it doesn't provide you with any instructions on how the game works, and we, no. you know, 
and those first few puzzles are it's designed in a way where you can kind of just look at it and go okay i see what you're getting at um yeah i think it's really clever it looks gorgeous as well um i don't know if it needs this sort of weird relationship plot going on alongside it i'm finding that a lot in these types of games that there's this weird plot almost like it feels like it's added by their perceived necessity more than absolutely adding anything to the game like it might to be fair it might be quite interesting if you were sat and paying attention or we don't know where it goes like we weren't not paying attention so it, it might become um, interesting and relevant and yeah. it creates a like oh it's more it seems more like it's a reasoning for the environments it absolutely seems to be. So the the concept of this little plot is, at least, without going too much detail, there's a couple... You're, you're listening to a, a story of a couple meeting and their relationship, but the first part of the meeting is that they both doodle and sketch and the, everything that they're talking about and all the sketches they're making are the worlds that you're in and what, what you're exploring. Um, so, it, which, which is interesting, but none of what they're saying in the plot sections in the little cutscene sections bears any relevance to the puzzle which is no. why it kind of feels unnecessary because it's not adding anything to the gameplay side of things which kind of puts you in is like i don't understand the concept of why i'm doing these puzzles and who i am in this scenario but by the end of the game that might all make sense so and i i want to keep playing it and i want to finish it and i want to see how it goes and see how the puzzles develop and see how long it'll be before it stumps me again minutes um yeah no i i agree i kind of feel like like i assume it will wrap around and start all making sense and this that and the other um, but at the moment it kind of feels like why is this plot here if it's not relevant to the puzzle yeah. like it feels like the way it's implanted especially when it's writing literally on the walls you're looking at mm-hmm it kind of feels like it should be relevant, but at the same time, I don't know. It would you would definitely have to be smarter than I to write dialogue that could fit with puzzles, because otherwise you'd just be going, "Hey, what do they say? Hello, sunflower. Do you remember the time we used a key as a bridge?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you'd be like, "That's bizarre thing <laughs> to say. I wonder if you have to use the key as a bridge." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That exactly. So I agree with everything you just said. I am glad. Jack, should we do some vaguely planned news? Let's. We have a few news stories this week. Nothing overly exciting. Some of it maybe has some talking points. Some of it probably not. The first story this week. Watch Dogs Legion co-op mode has been delayed on PC. This article comes from IGN. It's written by Adam Bankhurst. Watch Dogs Legion's online co-op mode was set to launch on all platforms on March the 9th, 2021, but PC players will have to wait a bit longer due to a game crashing issue that has caused a new delay. Ubisoft, Ubisoft, Ubisoft shared the news on Twitter saying that the PC version of the new mode can cause the game to crash for players with certain GPUs. The team is working on the fix as quickly as possible and will communicate the new date as soon as it can. While online co-op will still launch on PlayStation, Xbox and Stadia on March 9th, the raid-like tactical operations will now be released on march 23rd 2021 additionally ps5 and ps4 players will have to deal with limited in-game texture until march 23rd now 
The only reason I included this in the news story, because, you know, a game delay isn't exactly news. A game mode being delayed isn't exactly news. It being Ubisoft isn't exactly news. However, what I thought was more interesting was actually the approach that Ubisoft took to announcing this delay and the information they made where they specifically said in every instance what the reason was behind the delay as opposed to a generic press statement of it's not performing how we want to or we need a little bit more time to polish it off. They straight up said the game crashes this. We're not happy to release it like that. We're not going to. They also straight up said we're also aware of a bug on the P- on the PlayStation version which, is, which means there is limited in-game text chat. We are working on it we know about it kind of thing like and um i just thought it was quite refreshing to see that take um on the way of Absolutely. announcing it today i wonder if it's a, it, it could just be ubisoft being uh, one of the better third-party publishers and actually because they always have been but this is just another example of them it could be a response to how cyberpunk's gone in everything being so goddamn vague yep which was and the fact my, my thought. game has been delayed three times since it came out, which mm-hmm. is unheard of. But um, I also like the I like the fact that they kind of just explained everything, and finally, PC players can stop saying, "Well, why is it so difficult to make a game for PC better over consoles? PC is the best." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's because PC is not one single piece of hardware; it's hundreds. Mm-hmm. It's like if every PlayStation was different. Mm-hmm. Which, which is why consoles, as much as the rumors have been saying, consoles will never go modular for this exact reason. No, they absolutely won't. Of course they won't. There's no need for a modular console. That's what a PC is for. Exactly. There's no need for one. It would confuse the shit out of your general consumer, which is who yep. consoles, let's be honest, are marketed at. Yep. Um, as opposed to us, because we are the type of people who go, ooh, shiny. Yeah. Bought. Yes. Um, hence everything in my house. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was going to say, hence that little, or oh, those shelves there. <laughs> you can't really see what they are, but they are all pop figures. There's the PS5 there and all the little pop figures there as well. And the TV that's bigger than my future and all these sorts of things. But yeah, anyway, just thought it was a refreshing take on a game delay. Absolutely. Just coming out and say like, Yo, PC players, you make things complicated. We tried to deal with it. It didn't work. You'll have to wait. Yeah. The next news story is a little bit... Um, I don't know what word I'm going to go for. We'll see how this goes. Hogwarts Legacy's lead game designer has resigned. This article, once again, comes from IGN and is written by Joe Scrabbles. Hogwarts Legacy lead designer Tony, I can't say this guy's name, Tony Leavitt has left developer Avalanche Software and quit the project following controversy around his YouTube channel. Leavitt became the centre of controversy two weeks ago when journalist Liam Robertson pointed out that the designer had previously uploaded a number of videos in the past that, among other subjects, expressed express support for the Gamergate movement and downplayed high-profile cases of sexual harassment. Leavitt has now explained on Twitter that he has left Avalanche Studio Software, adding that he has, quote, nothing but good things to say about the game, the dev team, and Warner Brother Games. 
In a follow-up, Lou Abbott says he felt absolutely secure in his position at Avalanche but made the choice to resign. Neither Avalanche Software nor Warner Brothers Games have commented on Lou Abbott's departure at the time of writing. IGN has contacted both for comment. Hogwarts Legacy, scheduled for release in 2022, has seen a number of controversies since announcement, primarily centred around J.K. Rowling's transphobic views. Avalanche has previously explained that Rowling is, quote, not directly involved with Hogwarts Legacy, although she does earn money from Warner Brothers' uses of the IP. That should say she does own the IP. Um, And a recent report (laughs) suggested the game would allow for transgender characters to be created by players. Um, I don't want to delve into the J.K. Rowling side of things because it bears no relevance on this particular course of action. Agreed. Um, and yeah, so it, mainly it just it doesn't bear any relevance to what's happened here. Um, I think you summed this up the other night. Um, I think this is a good thing in many ways. This guy was clearly a bit of a dick. Um, if you just, all you have to do is look into the, what he was saying. Um, and you know he was um yeah downplaying a lot of very high profile sexual harassment cases and more than just sexual harassment i think there was some full-on sort of rape and other stuff things that he was downplaying and uh, he said some very 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 dodgy things um and just for the way i just think for the game this is a very good thing for the game and the game's marketing if anything because the game is being is having a lot of hits against it because of everything that's around that franchise right now and around J.K. Rowling right now. Um, so I, do, I, th- I think this is good news in a lot of ways. Um, just wonder what your thoughts were on this. Yeah, I th- yeah, it's it's complicated because um, I think it is a good thing. I think it's a good thing for the studio, and I think it's a good thing for the games and what games they make going forward. Um, I think it's only good because he stepped down. Yeah. Is it worth saying allegedly? No, because he did. No, he, say them. he absolutely did them. <laughs> it's he not said them a, on YouTube. Yeah, it's not an allegedly situation. It is a um, absolutely he did. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Doesn't take much effort to find video evidence of <laughs> him saying these things. Um, and also, it's you and Caden watching. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. I, I think it's a good thing that he stepped down because obviously that, that if he was forced out, this would just become a battle. Yep. Um, but Yeah, it's strange that in this situation, the man who is the problem has done the morally right thing. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, kind of creates a very complicated part of the conversation as well. The thing is for me, and regardless of everything that's going on around the creator of this franchise and everything else, I am a big fan of this franchise and I always will be. And and I'm, if anything, quite good at separating creator and franchise, creator mm-hmm. and creation. I'm fairly good at that anyway. Um, Harry Potter has been a huge part of my life growing up in so many ways, and it absolutely always will be. Um, so I want this game to be out. I want to play it. I want to be excited for it. I don't want this game to be taken away from me. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I'm aware it could be trash. Um but I think things like this is what needs to happen to make sure this game has its chance to breathe because it's going to get buried otherwise, I think. For sure, for sure. And um, anyone can say whatever they want for or against uh, J.K. Rowling. I don't think that should affect anyone's opinion of the IP or the franchise Agreed. or anything. It's irrelevant mm-hmm. 
unless it was a case of literally imposing particular things into the franchise, yep. which hasn't happened, nope. isn't happening. And and moment. never never has done either. You know. No, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's never been a thing. I, I don't think, like, when everyone tries to, like, boycott a franchise because of a creator's views and what have you, I think it's, regardless of the franchise, it's kind of pointless and dumb, like... Just because, like, that's got nothing to do with it. You can, I, I get it in a sense. You don't want to put money in their pocket. I get it. Fine, whatever. But it shouldn't affect whether or not you enjoy it. If you enjoy it, you should be able to separate it because at that point, you're only yeah. doing a disservice to yourself. And I think I understand if if you don't want to financially support that franchise because you don't want to then put money in that creator's pocket. I can understand why you might yourself choose to veto it. But I don't mm-hmm. understand the concept then of trying to convince everyone else they should as well. Um, oh, that's just humans trying to impose their views on everyone, isn't it? That's just... Which is which is the irony of the situation in a lot of ways. One hundred percent. Yes, yes, yes. Like it's coming back and forth. Yes. it's it's it's. Oh. There are so many examples that I won't go into live on, yeah. <laughs> on Twitch of similar things that go on in the world, um, but. No, you're absolutely right. It's just kind of becomes this circle of hypocrisy. But anyway, I too hope this game's good. Just because mm-hmm. I like good games. I don't care what IP they're in. Yeah, fair if enough. it was a My Little Pony RPG and it was a 10 out of 10, I'd be all over that. Like, sure, I don't care what franchise it's in. I like Harry Potter fine. I kind of wish they would leave it as it is. Yeah, on I, the movie I'm, front. Agreed. I'm not um, a big fan of these spin-offs movies and stuff like that they've been fantastic trash. beasts um, need to go away yep. the fact that they're planning on starting it again mm-hmm. on hbo can go away whilst at the same time the cursed child is reportedly in production yep so like why are you doing a sequel and a reboot at the same time as a spin-off yep like you're overdoing it there is such a thing as overdoing yeah, it absolutely um, is. particularly on a franchise that's based on something so linear yeah. Like you, I, I make this argument as a massive Marvel fan, <laughs> like, but at least the um, the source material for Marvel stuff isn't linear, mm-hmm. and they're trying to build the same thing that they build in the comics and the movies as well, and it's working. Um, and for the most part, what they did, what they did with Harry Potter worked, mm-hmm. but then they ran out of source material, so that now they're just trying to. Chew on what they can and, and milk what they absolutely, it, yeah. And it shows, yeah, Fantastic Beasts is awful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this game. I want this game to be really good because I enjoy really good games. What we've seen of it looks interesting. What they've told us about it sounds interesting. The whole thing. I enjoy the fact that they... I like the fact, enjoy them, uh, that they, they're using the world, but they're not using Harry Potter completely different time zone like it's the 1800s exactly. it's set in you know exactly. um, and stuff like that you'll know full well if it was <laughs> if there would be certain studios who would still try and milk it mm-hmm. like oh they use the they accidentally just span the time turner yeah. <laughs> for days <laughs> <laughs> and now they're back in this time period hello ron yeah, well, but, there, there um, will be like I can almost guarantee you there will be there will be characters in this which are characters from the expanded part of Harry Potter lore that we've had references to because it fits age wise. 
characters, sure, characters like Nicholas Flamel, for example, who is hundreds of years old and stuff like for that. Sure. And, but that's all fine. Like, you can deal with these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's fine. That's like, I'm not saying remove it from, like, mm-hmm. pretend it doesn't exist and this stuff didn't happen and these characters didn't exist. I'm just saying it's nice to get another part of this yeah. part of this world and a different side of it that we haven't actually seen to death or read to death. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited for this game. Didn't it get delayed to 2022? It has been delayed to 2022, yeah. Um, take their time. As always, good. take their time. The next news story I have this week, Epic Games has acquired Mediatonic. As usual, this article comes from IGN, is written by Adam Bankhurst. Epic Games has officially... friend of the show at this point? Well, every time I say friend of the show from someone that we've not met... Yeah, but this time we read three or four articles from him every week. And, and well I did be. meet Joe Scrabbles. Huh? I did meet Joe Scrabbles, if in passing in a corridor. And I will grant, when I said you haven't met Joe Scrabbles, you hadn't. That's true. You, you have since yeah. walked past Joe Scrabbles. <laughs> He, we acknowledged each other's presence. <laughs> That's fine. You can now say friend of the show, Joe Scrabble. <laughs> Perfect. Um, not relevant in this, but I'll just also throw out there, friend of the show, Dale Driver. Anyway, Adam Bankhurst <laughs> from IGN. The story is, Epic Games has officially acquired Tonic Games Group, the development company behind Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Epic shared the news while also confirming your, quote, your gameplay isn't changing the changing and epic will continue to invest in making the game a great experience for players across platforms furthermore epic has said quote your favorite colorful beans will still stumble throughout the chaos on pc playstation and soon nintendo switch and xbox mediatonic also announced in the news with an faq that sorry i'll read that again actually reading the words that joe wrote mediatonic can i interject quickly yes is it the fact they're called beans no, I didn't even acknowledge that. I was too stumped by the fact that it's Fall Guys, not on Xbox. No, it's coming to Xbox soon. It launched as a PlayStation exclusive and PC. Oh, I genuinely didn't know that. I assumed it was on Xbox. Continue. No worries. Mediatonic also announced the news with an FAQ that is set to answer some of the biggest questions regarding the future of Fall Guys. Um... I'm not reading that. That's very long. Alongside revealing that the Fall Guys team has already grown from 35 to 150, Mediatonic promised that your gameplay isn't changing, and this acquisition will help them bring a ton of features already seen in Fortnite and Rocket League, other games owned by Epic. These features include account systems, crossplay, squad versus squad modes, and more. While Mediatonic mentioned Fall Guys will continue to remain on Steam, it had nothing more to announce regarding a possible move to a free-to-play model thoughts on that jack see four guys is a game completely confused me um not but just because everyone was talking about like it becoming free to play i'm like wasn't it free (laughs) it was free on playstation plus at launch that's what got me like because obviously i got it for free i forgot it was part of playstation plus Mm -hmm. so i was just like it's free like there was a (laughs) There was a couple of... It was completely glossed over, so it made me look even more like a fool. I made the remark on a press start that had multiple of us. Um, so we were talking about four guys, and I said, but isn't it free? So, like, what's, what's this all about? Um, so I just looked like a fool. But um, it being bought by Epic, uh, uh, I'm neither here nor there. 
like I have zero opinion on that. Yeah, I, sure. Fa- the, I added it in, and that's give him more money. As I, I as I put it into the thing, and sort of after I'd like moved the article in, I was like, I don't actually have much to say on that, but I've done it now. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, but yeah, I've like, cool. A company bought a studio. Yeah, it's hap- uh, the only uh, thing I would say is only good news in the sense that it's as you say, more money, more funding going into a game that people already like. So cool, great. Yeah, Nothing exactly. to complain about there. Um, the final news story I have before we go into our show topic. Um, Need for Speed has been delayed. Yes. This article, as usual, comes from IGN, but this time written by Wesley LeBlanc. I don't think he is a relation to Matt. EA has shifted Criterion <laughs> Games off of its current Need for Speed project to help EA DICE with development on the next Battlefield game. This game, which is currently untitled, is expected to release this fall on the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. And it seems DICE needed some extra help getting the game ready for that release. According to a new report from Polygon, EA insists that Criterion Games will return to development. Oh, I apologise. Of its Need for Speed title in 2022. EA made the call to have Criterion work with DICE on the next Battlefield project due to pandemic related pandemic pandemic related working conditions and because of the fact that the the, the following because of the fact that following the codemasters acquisition made last month that sentence doesn't make any sense and because of the fact that following the codemasters i'll finish reading the sentence because of the fact that following <laughs> the codemasters acquisition made last month ea will have at least one race, racing game released this year makes more sense likely is annual formula one title ea chief studios officer laura mail told polygon that neither the battlefield franchise or the need for speed franchise are in trouble quote there's no way we would have made a decision like this without including criterion and discussing this with them and the impact they could have on battlefield they've worked on star wars battlefront they've worked on battlefields and they have a really tight, close collaborative partnership with DICE. I'm really confident this is going to be a pretty positive win for them. As far as for the Need for Speed franchise, Mayel told Polygon that Criterion owns the Need for Speed franchise, which is why they managed the recent remaster of Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, and why the studio is responsible for the next project in the series. Mayel said an urgent solution for Battlefield, which is expected to release this holiday season, was needed as a result of the potent- potential... The project has had, oh, this is really badly written, was needed as potential of the project. What? Sorry, I'm having to fight with the fact that this is not written well. Expected to release the holiday season, which was needed as a result of the potential of the project and the difficulty in developing a game during a pandemic with work from home conditions. Apologies. Quote, making games one of the most sophisticated and complicated forms of media that exists, and it requires creative energy and connection to the team members. I think there's been, you know, a fatigue and some burnout working from home. A lot of that even has to do with the needs that people have with their families. Some people are taking care of their kids at home, so our productivity is not as high, and the creative connection and creative energy isn't as high when they're working from home. She continued and said that rather than pushing to get the next Need for Speed game out this year at a time when it might be cannibalised by Codemasters Racing Games released, 
Criterion's efforts are better suited for working on the next battlefield at the moment. She also insisted that the Need for Speed series is not being taken away from Criterion in any form, and the studio will return to its development next year, where the team will work to launch the game on current and previous PlayStation and Xbox generations of hardware. Oh, I got through it. I do apologise. As you should. And I did. <laughs> Thoughts? Cool. Okay. A terrible franchise is being put on hold so they can make a good one better. That's what I take away from that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Need for Speed is a terrible franchise. I think it's a good franchise that has a lot of terrible games. Yes. But it hasn't been good in a really long time. That I grant you. It hasn't been good in a very long time, but also Criterion hasn't been doing it in a very long time. So... This is this is the one that could be good again. I don't mind this. Um, I kind of feel a little bit for Criterion that they seem to keep be given kind of support positions on other studios. Um, that just seems to be what they keep. Well, they did say they were given the choice. They were given the choice. I just Sorry. it just feels weird. Um, Not really. This is kind of what they do, isn't it? Like yeah, they do the vehicle parts of games, don't they? I guess. So. Yeah, it's what they're good at. And to be fair, like. It was probably a discussion of, yo, Need for Speed doesn't sell well. And if we do, if we put you on Battlefield, that's A, going to give you some income to put more. And they might have made a deal about it where they got more time to then do Need for Speed. And then we might actually get a good Need for Speed out of this. Like, Need for Speed is that franchise that's blatantly rushed, blatantly pushed out. They're going for the wrong aspects of these games. Yep. Like, why spend all this money on doing like cutscenes and trying to do a an edgy story that was great for teenagers in two thousand and three? Wasn't um wasn't that the game we referred to as a particularly pooey shit? Need for Speed. Yeah. Probably. No, it was the Need for Speed movie. No, no we were talking about Fast and Fran- uh, Fast and Franchise. <laughs> Fast and Franchise. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. The Need for Speed movie. Yeah yeah. I think it was um, that that was the particularly pooey shit. <laughs> It, it was a particularly pooey shit. You are, you are correct. Um, but I don't see the downside to this. You have no. extra support making from a good studio making uh, making a game from a good franchise even better and getting it done right, which is, it, it implies that they care. So that's good. And then hopefully this then in turn... Cause I don't think they'll have every single member of Criterion. I imagine there's a, f- a facet Absolutely. of Criterion that's still working on Need for Speed um, and just gives more time. And more time is never really a bad thing unless you are CD Projekt Red. <laughs> Agreed. I'm very intrigued to see what's going on with the new Battlefield. Um, EA have been out, mm-hmm. spoken about it a few times, and saying about how good it's supposed to be, but we haven't seen anything of it. So I'm very intrigued to see what that is. I'd imagine we're yeah, going to look at it. a very strange approach to this one. Yeah, and the thing is, I imagine we will, it will eventually you know, be revealed, and we'll go, oh, it's, it's Battlefield. <laughs> Absolutely. This is a... <laughs> This is a third-party publisher bigging up a game they won't show us yeah. from a franchise that hasn't really changed. Yeah, it'll be Battlefield. But obviously, it's changed, but um, in minute steps yes. along the same formula, which is fine. Like if you've got a franchise and a formula that's 
was popular and has remained popular throughout its entire life cycle. There's no need to do a big change. In fact, that's probably more damaging. But I, think I can't think of what they're doing. What the only thing the only thing that we're going to be finding impressive is will be the visual fidelity and the description mm-hmm. system because that's what they've always been good at and always been the things that we've marvelled at over the years of Battlefield games. To be fair, they haven't been in Battlefield for a while, not properly. Uh, no, but that was they're the things that we normally go on about, isn't it? Is it is the the graphics and the destruction? I guess when when there is a big talking point on what makes those games good and impressive, whenever it is a big, I remember Battlefield Four which was the first one on the PS4 era. There was a big deal about how that game looked and stuff like that. That was the big talking point. Um, Bad Company 2 was a whole big deal about the destruction. Bad Company 2 was the last time we had proper destruction. In Battlefield 4 and stuff, you could destroy like cover walls and you can destroy some stuff, but nothing particularly major. Whereas... um, yeah, Bad Company 2, you could level buildings yeah. and stuff like that. Bad Company 2 was the height of that franchise. Absolutely. It was. I agree. It was a fantastic game. And don't get me wrong, I loved Battlefield. Uh, so that was, would have been before 3, I think. So I really enjoy Battlefield 3. I really enjoy Battlefield 4. Battlefield 1, they went for the Xbox naming cycle on that one. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, Battlefield 1, I really enjoyed. I didn't really play much of Battlefield 5. Largely because suddenly everyone who I played every Battlefield with suddenly became disinterested in Battlefield. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I've, this I've always enjoyed the campaigns on Battlefield and struggled drastically with the multiplayer. Wanted to enjoy the multiplayer, but just really... I, I'm not good at them, so then I get I'm bored. the opposite. I usually start really... Sh- with Call of Duty, I have... This is how good I am. This is how good I will stay. Mm-hmm. With Battlefield, I can see myself get better. I see at stuff, um, which I find rather enjoyable. And cam- the campaigns for the last couple of Battlefields have been inexplicably shit. Oh, I, I agree. Don't... I agree. The last few Battlefield games have been very poor. I, they've not been like, my preferred game. Battlefield Five, Battlefield One, and Battlefield Five, I couldn't get through just because I was like, "This." this... Oh. I think I talked about it at the time. A first-person shooter should not have stealth levels. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they don't fucking work. Like, um, but uh, like Bad Company 2, what a fantastic campaign. Uh, well, both Bad Companies mm-hmm. had fantastic campaigns. Battlefield 3 and 4 were perfectly fine. They were enjoyable. I, I had good fun with them. But yeah, the Battlefield 1 campaign was just all over the fucking place and I didn't like it at all. Agreed. Should we move on to our show topic this week? Let's, because I don't know what it is. Ah, well, I've got another news story for our show topic. So we'll give credit to IGN and again, friend of the show, Adam Bankhurst. Nintendo is allegedly set to reveal a new model of the Nintendo Switch with a bigger Samsung OLED display later this year that will be able to output 4K ultra high definition graphics when in docked mode. Woof. As reported by Bloomberg, Nintendo is planning to unveil the new model in hopes that the larger touchscreen can prop up demand in time for the holidays. Samsung Display Company will start mass production of 7-inch 720p resolution OLED panels as early as June 2021, with an initial monthly target of under a million units. These displays would then be sent to assemblers in July. For reference, the current Nintendo Switch model features a 6.2-inch 27 
sorry, 720p resolution screen. This new screen would look as if you extended the current Switch's screen that replaced most of the black bezel around it. The OLED panel would consume less battery, offer higher contrast and possibly faster response time when compared to the Switch's current liquid crystal display, said Yoshi Yoshio Tomura, co-founder of display consultancy DSEC. The report also claims that Nintendo has decided to go with rigid OLED panels for this new model, a cheaper but less flexible alternative to the type commonly used for high-end smartphones. This deal will benefit Samsung Display as the market prices for the rigid OLED panels are, were falling due to excess supply. This will also hopefully benefit Nintendo as this partnership will help them in a time where semiconductor shortages are causing delays for PS5s, Xbox Series X consoles and graphics card. The rumoured Switch Pro, as some have called it, has been in high demand from fans for some time. Nintendo have been tight-lipped about any new model and Nintendo president, I can never say his guy's name, I'm so sorry, Shintaro Furukawa, did I get it? Dunno. Recently said they will not be announcing a new model anytime soon. IGN asked seven, several industry analysts about their predictions on when and if we'd see a new Switch in 2021 or beyond, and the responses are range range from no Switch Pro this year to one possibly coming before the year ends. Many also believe that Nintendo has no reason to rush out a Switch Pro as the console is still selling incredibly well. Its lifetime sales recently passed 79.87 million, which passes the Nintendo 3DS and has been the best-selling console for nearly two years. Indeed. I like That was just the longest, longest way of saying someone said this online. It might be true. <laughs> yes, there, there. I think there is a little bit more validity to these reports. Um, they seem to be coming from sources, which makes a bit more sense, as opposed to the rumors we've had since the Switch launched about there being a Switch Pro. Um, yeah. To a, yeah, to a degree. Um, I, this isn't coming for a long time, though. No, I, I agree. I don't think it's coming for a while. Um, would you buy it? Depends how much it is. Very good point. Honestly, how, how because often I've do got you... one that I, I've got one that I don't play. So probably not. Yeah, and how often um, do you play it? I mean, I guess you primarily play it in docked mode, so you'd want it more for the 4K output when connected to a TV as opposed to the larger LED screen, right? Yes. I think they should have done this, but they should have gone down the route of... Um, they've made a Switch Lite, which is only handheld. Make one that is only docked. Agreed. That way you can make it cheaper. Yep. You can put more power into it, even though that's not what Nintendo's ever really done, so I was never expecting it to happen. Mm -hmm. But um, if is this is the case, the OLED screen seems that the OLED 7-inch screen seems to have uh, some validity to it, less yep. so the 4K. Yep. That's kind of just been um, imposed onto the rumors, weirdly. Mm -hmm. um, it would be nice. None of the games are output at 4K, well, Sorry, obviously not. Let me rephrase. None of the games are made yeah, to be 4K. Yeah, none of them render at 4K. But Thank it, you. Render yeah. was the word I was looking for. But <laughs> if it if it renders lower and checkerboards up to 4K and has HDR, that would still look fucking sweet. Like, I'd like to see a lot it, of those things like that. So. It would still look a lot better, but I don't think it would really change the games we currently have. No, not not um, by much. But for you know, I think for people like you and I that like that picture for Delhi, it would be like a... But it it's not it wouldn't be a drastic difference. It just wouldn't be. For sure, for sure. I also have super sampling embedded into the TV. Mm, so right. it does it anyway. Yeah. Um so 
it, it would make a difference, obviously. But HDR, yeah, obviously. The like, HDR can't just create HDR yeah. for me. That would be nice. Um, but um, it would be cool. I would like to see it. I probably wouldn't buy it because a it would probably it would be more expensive than the normal Switch, and I don't play the Switch enough to justify. But I never play it in handheld mode, so I would be quite interested in, like in a docked only Switch. But I would only ever play it docked. Yeah. So I'm kind of go the other way where. I think I'd be interested in it more for the handheld because when I do play the Switch, I'm primarily playing in handheld. Um, I do not play my Switch enough, and I really should. It's mainly because there are not enough games for me in that Nintendo category that pull me in. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I find it hard to make the time for the few that do, (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, But I absolutely should spend more time on the Switch. I think it's a great little piece of kit. That bigger screen would be appealing, but I also... Me too, my main problem, sorry. Sorry? Pardon? I'd start speaking and then realize you were still speaking. Yeah. I hadn't finished, so I said sorry. Um, okay, cool. Uh, what was I going to say? What was I gonna say? Yes. Uh, the thing is, I don't think it needs that bigger screen. Um, and it's not that much bigger. It, <laughs> it would feel bigger. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, it was set up wrong, so it didn't come through. Oh, I was going to say I didn't hear anything, unfortunately. But um, uh, it's kind of the same with phones. Like, even if you have two phones with the same size screen, if if one of them is edge to edge, it feels bigger. Yeah, like, I get that. Um, so I understand why you would do that, and I understand why you'd want that. And OLED is obviously great. Of the best yeah. version of the Vita was the one with the OLED screen. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I. I I don't think this would be for me, really. And the, and the main reason I don't play it a lot is because the main game I would play, excuse me, is um, Mario Kart. And Nintendo games don't depreciate. And I'm not spending another £50 on Mario Kart. So it, I don't play it. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I don't think I can argue with that. <laughs> I would love Nintendo games to actually depreciate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. What makes you so special, Nintendo? Why is your four-year-old remaster of a game still fifty-five pounds? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I was wondering what your thoughts were on the notion that it still would be seven twenty screen. I mean, it makes sense. The power of the switch is not changing. Yeah, this when I first read it, I was like. That seems weird. And then I thought about it for a second and was like, no, it doesn't seem weird because, as you say, the power of the Switch isn't changing. On top of that, the amount it would have to change to be able to render in the handheld mode at that higher resolution would make that machine so expensive. <laughs> and Absolutely. like Technologically, it's possible. Yeah. Look at our phones. Yeah. But our phones cost a grand. Absolutely. And part of that yeah. reason is the power required. And part of that reason is a small screen that can display that higher resolution correctly costs a lot more money than the ones that can display 720p, (laughs) which is why they've opted for the cheaper OLED screens as opposed to the retina displays that we have in our phones now because Mm -hmm. that's just the way the tech goes. So it was one of those things where I sort of read it and thought, oh, and then I was like, oh, wait. (laughs) It's quite obvious, actually. But I imagine there'll be lots of people online that won't work that out soon. It's also one of the reasons I don't know if I necessarily buy the 4K thing because once again, 
the power of the switch isn't changing. Yeah. So if it could always out to put, if it was a case of it can output to 4K in this switch, it could always do it. So why didn't it? Absolutely. Like, it's just it's just one of those things. I don't necessarily buy it. Like I would be happy to be wrong, but uh, I, I I buy the OLED screens. There's a lot of things that that. There's an oddly specific amount of information for it to be pulled yeah. out of thin air, whereas opposed to the 4K thing, they're just like, and we'll be able to render 4K in dock mode. Mm-hmm. I will provide no evidence. Yeah, and that's also the reason why originally I just kind of disregarded this article until I looked into it more and saw that there was, it looked like there was some validity to the OLED screen because these rumors have been knocking around since the machine launched that there would be a pro version that would be enhanced mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, because it launched around the time that we were getting the PS4 Pro and the Siri and the Xbox One X and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it was the November before that the uh, PS4 Pro came out. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's the kind of thing where um, it's always been a talking point, but it's never materialised. So I've never, and there's never been any evidence to prove it. So I was not believing it, but I'm only thinking it a bit more now because. As you say, some of that information is way too specific, and that usually is an indicator that there is some truth behind it. For sure, for sure. Um, Richard said the main thing they need to change is the fucking Joy Cons. I don't have a problem with the Joy Cons. I don't seem to. I don't quite understand why everybody does. So I, I know there was Joy Con drift, but that's. I don't have a problem with the Joy Cons when playing as the handheld, but. Using the Joy Cons when it's docked, I find very uncomfortable, and I find that fucking oh, yeah. bracket that it connects to that just makes it a square, like a giant fucking BNBN biscuit in your hand. Like it's very uncomfortable, but that's also what the Pro controller is for. So, yeah, I was gonna say I don't mind it. I don't mind it, um, and I don't mind. I don't even mind it in that bracket. But yeah, exactly like. Pro controller exists, so uh, get one of those, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Press Start, your weekly video game podcast right here on Rabbit Hole Media. Don't forget, if you like what you're doing and what you've been doing is watching us, you can follow us on Twitter at rabbithole underscore UK. You can subscribe to us on YouTube where you can see us anytime that you wish. You can follow us on Twitch at Rabbit Hole Media and you can subscribe and follow on multiple different podcast services on and around the internet. Indeed. And now you can follow us on Instagram at rabbitholemedia underscore UK for all of the behind the scenes tits and bits. If you would like to support us, you can fo- you can head to merch.rabbitholemedia.co.uk where you can buy a wide range of merchandise which just got wider. And finally, if you are watching us live on Twitch and are an Amazon Prime member, you get one free Twitch Prime membership a month. Please find it within your hearts to give that free membership to us. It will not cost you a penny, but will go a very long way in helping us bring you the show's that you love quite jack do you have anything that you would like to add this week for either hard mode impotent mode waste of time awards whatever i'm gonna go for can we have a semi mode (laughs) sure yeah i guess it would would qualify under hard mode it's something that i'm uh, surprised you didn't add to the news doc actually and that is that uh the higher-ups of the development team behind Ghost of Tsushima are being honoured by the island of Tsushima itself. I missed that. You are correct. Yes. And I just... It's, so basically, they're, making, they're being made uh, 
tourism ambassadors of mm-hmm. the actual island of Tsushima. Um, I think that's cool. Yeah, I, it's very. It is. They get a little ceremony and well, a remote ceremony, obviously, but get a little ceremony, get a little reward, and it's just quite a nice thing that's happening. It's great, yeah. I think it's it's a very nice thing in general. It's a nice little reward. It must feel great for those devs. Um, and I think it's also just kind of proof in the pudding of what a good job they did at creating that that world um, and capturing that that culture um, that that's being recognized by that culture. Um, I think that's fantastic. I think, yeah, exactly. I think it's great for like everyone all around because yeah. as you say they're being recognized for the work and the dedication they put into that game and that is fantastic but also that game made the officials of the island of Tsushima actually feel recognized yeah. and help and respected in their history and all that kind of stuff so it's it's great all round in and i thoroughly enjoyed that news story this week indeed it's nice to have some positive news stories isn't it as opposed to just absolutely uh, yeah i whole heartedly agree uh caden just quickly added in there i've seen that some people have experienced drift with the dual sense yes not as many as the internet has made out um sony are also aware of it and fixing it so <laughs> it's the same with the um the switch one though yep. the joy con one though isn't it yep the internet made it out to be a massive 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 problem i and i think it's there are definitely cases of way more cases of the joy cons just because yep. they're Cheaper well, made controllers. And also there are more of them. There is there is that. So there are more of them. There are going to be more cases. Um but uh yeah, the thing the thing with the dual sense one, it does exist. Um, but Sony are aware of it. They if anyone reports it to them, they fix it and they're already, as far as I've last seen, I saw recently, are on top of it and future batches are not gonna have this problem. So um yeah, just one of those things. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I am surprised in terms of the Switch one. I'm surprised they didn't. They don't seem to have fixed it, which is bizarre. They just. I know Nintendo were replacing Joy Cons under like the whole. You know, this this product is faulty side of things. I think. But uh, I think I'm that's probably they why, because they've been instructed now that you have to replace them. That's probably why. So like, we'll just we'll just replace them. <laughs> it's probably less effort for them. It's much like. Isn't there a thing, I mean, Rich, you'll know this. I remember seeing a thing from years ago. It won't be valid now because the port's different. That Apple used to play, pay a fine for not having uh, a certain type of USB connector on the phones that was required in a, in the US or something like that because it, it was cheaper to pay the fine than what it was, the amount of money they made on charging ports or something like that. That I do remember hearing that, like they had to, uh, it would have been US, a micro USB, wouldn't it? Yeah, I that's think what it was, everything was. Yeah, it was like everything had to be micro not USB. Using micro USB. Yeah. But the amount of money they just made from people buying lightning cables yeah. gave them more money than if they just moved to micro USB. Yeah, exactly. And cover the cost of the fine or something like that. And that ha- stuff yeah. like that happens all the time. Businesses will do those kinds of things because I do remember that at the end of the day their point is just to make money so they'll go for the cheaper option so I imagine that's probably the case for with sure. Nintendo that it's cheaper for them just to replace the ones they get sent back because not everyone that developers have thought will come back to them either no no that's true uh, largely because it is a fuff they make it a faff they really do I have to say it wasn't too bad when we did it last year we had it in the middle of lockdown last year when Animal Crossing came out and Camilla got really into playing Animal Crossing and the vault developed and it was literally a case of I got on the Nintendo website, um, 
went on the thing to say there was the problem. I got an email the same day saying, apologies, here's a free post label, package it up, send it here, we'll fix it. Took them about just under two weeks, came back to us, all fine. So Fair enough. it wasn't too bad. Obviously, we were out of we we were without that for two weeks. But um, a friend of ours lent us there. They had a spare set of Joy Cons that they weren't using, so they lent us some for, the, for a couple of weeks. It wasn't a disaster. But I have to say, they were very good when I did it. But I have seen evidence of it not always being that easy. That's always the case when you send things back to a manufacturer. To be oh prepared yeah, like it's it's always a path. That's not unique to Nintendo at all. Like yeah. sending anything back to a manufacturer. That's kind of what they kind of want to make it more effort than it is worth. Yeah, of course like, they do. But when it comes down to a sixty-pound controller or something, then it kind of does. They have to do a lot to make it more effort than it's worth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Indeed. Thank you all for watching and joining us tonight. Don't forget, if you are watching us live on Twitch, keep up with our weekly streams. Tuesday will be our next video game stream, and once again, I'll be taking on the rest of Maquette. Um, with Jack alongside me. Thursday, I think, is undecided. We might be doing more Maquette. We might be doing something else. I do not know. This weekend, obviously, we're taking a break from Admit 1 whilst we wait for Falcon Winter Soldier to reappear. If you've not yet seen our WandaVision in review, you can catch all nine episodes of Admit 1 on youtube.com slash rabbitholemedia now. And don't forget to catch us again next Sunday at 8pm live on Twitch for the next episode of Press Star. Of course, if you don't watch us live and catch us afterwards, you can catch Press Star on YouTube every Monday at 9.30am UK time and on podcast and audio services on the internet. Thank you all for watching. Jack, thanks you once again for joining me. No problem. I just want a quick... This is directly at Richard, but while he's here... Yeah, go for it. Um, I believe it was the equivalent of our reps, Rich, uh, the the reps that they get fixed on. So I don't think it is technically under warranty. I think that particular issue is an extended warranty, I believe. Um, I didn't I see the comment. What's the context? Uh, I thought it was still only if they were under in warranty. The Joy-Con repairs? Yes. Uh, no, they were instructed by the FTC um, that like there was a lawsuit put against them and then they were instructed by the court essentially like this is a your this is essentially not fit for purpose so you have to replace them if someone comes to you with it regardless of whether or not it's within a warranty or whatever or you have a proof of purchase doesn't matter oh okay so kind of like a rep but not court order but our reps aren't court ordered <laughs> yeah no it was a, it was a court ordered thing um we did we did cover it on the show back when it happened but it was back in the shed days so many years oh i don't remember last episode uh, precisely no i understand why you wouldn't remember uh, <laughs> um but it's also the only reason i knew it was a thing when ours went wrong i was like i remember doing this on the podcast <laughs> 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 thank you very much for watching and until next time we shall see you then uh...